bad is just spoiled good. So I think if there's any preconceived notions about our kids watching porn and being this horrible thing, the ultimate thing to focus on is like, what can we impart into them about the beauty of sex and how porn is actually just tinsel compared to how great sex is. So we actually cast our focus on what is amazing and good and beautiful rather than focusing on what is bad because that's not what kids want to know. They want to, they want something to shoot for. So give them something to shoot for. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. What's up, men? I'm so excited for this episode. I have with me Sean Bonito. Sean is, well, he, we're going to get into that, but he is the co-host with his wife of the Secret Habit podcast, where they talk about their relationship, sexual relationship, emotional relationship, all the good stuff I actually really think is incredibly important. And uh, I found him on Instagram and was really impressed with his uh, content and his wife's content and the fact that they were willing to talk about hard things publicly. And so I just thought I had to have him on. Welcome to the show, Sean. Hey, Scott. Thanks so much to be on another podcast. It's fun to do this with another brother and talk about, yeah, hard topics, being a husband, being a dad, the things that really matter. So it's a privilege. They are they are the hard topics. And um, I think sometimes uh, guys are like, no, we're not going to hear about this again. But again, of course, I think there's this thing like, yeah, well, I can't stop listening because I need to understand what, where they're coming from. So the one thing that I noticed right away with you guys was you talk about porn and porn addiction. And that was the the thing where I was like, okay, they're talking about um, their sex, you know, your relationship, your sexual relationship in a really cool way, uh, your emotional relationship, which we both, you and I both know is incredibly entwined with the sexual relationship. Um, so, but I, I did see before we get into that, I have a son who's just finished high school. He's a band kid. And I have another son who's just starting high school who's a band kid. And I see that you played drums. So you must have drove your parents crazy. <laughs> they started me with the electric drums. So the, the season that most parents go crazy was pretty subtle for them. And then... Gotcha. I got a little bit better, got the acoustic kit, and I'll never forget there was a neighbor who I would wake up with the drumming from her graveyard shift, and she said it was the best alarm clock ever. So that was a, a good affirmation no that I was in the, I was going in the right direction with my drumming. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing because uh, yeah. I go to these practices for my son. We kind of go to the end of them because the uh, marching band's huge in Texas, and you know, and it, it's like it's like just as big as football. It's it's crazy. That's right. Tra traveled all over the United States last year. It's insane. But we show up and the drum line and the 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 all all the percussionists like they don't stop when practice is over. Like they never ever ever stop. And I was telling my wife, I'm like, man, because because Corbin was actually pretty talented. The drum the drum guy, the instructor's like, I actually want him, and he went another direction. And um, I'm like, thank goodness, they never stop. And she goes, oh, you have no idea. I, I uh, did a chaperoning on a bus, and I got the percussion group. And she goes, the entire <laughs> time it was. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I guess the advent of electrical drums. That's kind of a. A parent saver, I suppose. Oh yeah, totally, man. Definitely, uh, Roland brought some parents into the uh, mind, my, you know, mentor mind group to really figure that one out. Yeah, yeah. Did you uh, do you still play? 
I haven't played for many years, but it's always there. And as you're talking, I'm laughing because, yeah, I'll be tapping my hands and feet. Not in this episode, but I normally would be when I'm off air. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So this podcast you do with your wife, how long have you been doing that? Yeah, so we launched it in February 2022, so it's fresh. We just launched our 30th episode, which is really exciting, and we've really gone through our stories, some of the topics that are passionate to us. We've gone into some of the recovery areas of healing from pornography and erectile dysfunction, overcoming betrayal trauma for women, women watch porn too, topics like that. And now we're starting to get more into the deeper relational things like this last week. We had just a crazy season of being sick and injured. So we talked about in sickness and health. What does that actually look like? Where, you know, tonight we're recording, we're going to be talking about orgasm and actually wow. how crazy men don't understand women's orgasm is so different than a men's orgasm. We're going to talk about that tonight. So really digging into topics that aren't often talked about and, and when they are, they're usually not done very well. And we don't say that to toot our own horn. We just say that to go and say, we've been through a lot of crap. And our mantra for the whole podcast is let our failures be your success. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like that when I started the brotherhood, that was kind of my whole thing. Like the origin story. I was like, this is where my life did not go right, where I was not a good husband, where I was not a good father. And this is what I don't want for you. I love that. Let our failures be your success. Do you get a lot of messages and, and conversations with other couples? And is that hard for them? Because I know these are tough topics. I mean, to have my wife talk about this would be, be with me. It's fine. We've been married for 26 years, but like outside of that circle, man, yeah, they have been silent so long. It doesn't really matter what arena you're coming from. So like the church has been silent on the topic of sexuality forever. We look at culture, they're talking about sexuality in some way, shape or form, but it, I don't think many people can go look at culture and say, that's the epitome of what it's supposed to be like. And again, there's a silence at healthy sexuality. What does it look like to be healthy in the way you look at people, the way you feel about your body? So they're challenging conversations, no matter if you come from the church or not. And we get messages all the time from couples, singles, individuals, just asking like, can you cover this topic? Can you go further on that? No, I've never had anyone I could ever talk to. Can we just hop on a 30 minute call? And it's, it's an absolute privilege that, you know, God would use me, this punk kid who had this crazy story of addiction and struggle to now be able to speak into other people's lives. So this work is very humbling each and every day that I do it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get into your story, but I was, um, uh, I can relate really well, you know, being married for 26 years, it, that's a the the journey if i look back on our sexual relationship our emotionally in, uh, intimate our emotional intimacy the whole nine yards i look back and i'm like wow we've learned so much and it's changed so much and uh, first mm -hmm. i want to say for anybody who's newly married or middle married or struggling like when you put attention in this area and you have conversations and you put the right tools in your life like you I'm telling guys right now, you have no idea how good it can be. And that's not yes. to brag. It is not to brag. It's to, because I've done the hard work and it continues. Mm. It never ends. But like having really tough conversations where I knew when I brought this up, there were going to be tears and it was going to be mm. horrible. But then you have to, you know, like, then you have to break through and wait for the right timing and continue. This is how it yes. works. Continue the conversation, get into it, allow that 
assimilation of the new ideas or new thoughts or or a breaking of down of things that you've learned that maybe not be appropriate or you know whatever i mean especially in the church we could talk about that but um it's like massive work but man is it worth it i mean mm-hmm. how long have you guys been yep there? Yeah, it's over five years. It'll be six years in November. My wife's from Europe, so she has this amazing ability to challenge me in a way maybe a Canadian wouldn't be able to. So she's been an absolute catalyst to my growth. And what you're saying, Scott, really ties into something I was talking to a good friend of mine about a few weeks ago on his podcast, the Husband Material Podcast, is that we need safe places to share our struggles, Mm -hmm. but those safe places actually need to be uncomfortable because that's where growth happens. This episode is brought to you by Dapper Guru. Dapper Guru are men products that help you look good while conquering the world. Let's face it, gentlemen, we should not be using our wife's soaps and oils and such. We should smell like men and use products developed specifically for men. My friend at Dapper Guru, Robert, created these products. He tests these products. He is the real deal. This is a veteran-owned, veteran-supported company. And the cool thing is, is if you go to that webpage and put in the code BROTHERHOOD, you will get 10% off all of your purchases. I use the products. My son uses the products. Josh uses the products. You should be using the products. That's Dapper Guru. Check out the link in the podcast notes. Go place an order, place a small order, check it out. Uh, and you will know why we use these products. Yeah. Oh man. It's so true. It's true in life with everything. And if anybody's listened to my podcast, they know I'm like, you've got to just face the challenges and walk right into those uncomfortable things on, you know, difficult conversations. If, if you want to ha- have improvement in so many areas of your life, just be be ready and able and understand how to have difficult conversations and charge right into them. And in this struggle in my period of life, things are pretty stressful right now. Um, there's mm. just a lot going on. You know, inflation is crazy and that's really stressing everybody's finance. I mean, it's crazy. You probably for you too. It's stressing everybody's finances. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and then that seeps into everything else. And, um, you know, it's that whole thing is the, the only way through is through. And so you attack it, you attack these things. And I think that's the same way with, with marriage and relationships. My wife and I teach a, and, and, and our leaders for a married couples like group, which is incredible. It's called reengage. And it's, it's, um, you get really into things. There's a curriculum, but you get really into things with married couples at all levels of their marriage. And, a lot of it is like, hey, in some of it, you're like, there's some things you probably need to share with your wife, your spouse. It's both ways. Yeah. And you do these things. And I remember Kim and I had been married for 24 years the first time we did this, maybe 23. And she, uh, and we went into this practice and I felt the need to share some stuff. And she's like, this just broke our marriage, like literally broke our marriage. Mm. But on the other side of that was the best part of our marriage ever and i'm sure that's kind of a lot of what kind of how you guys only five years married which is a long time but it's not i mean you guys are tackling this straight on early so that's pretty exciting yeah yeah we're super grateful man everything you're saying really aligns with the teaching that i have with specifically with guys going through erectile dysfunction or for couples that want to enhance the connection they have in their intimacy and sex life we call it a sexual template And we actually help couples have conversations that are guided through six steps. 
and look at you two together, not looking at culture, not looking at the movie you guys watch, not looking at all those other things, but like, what is it for just you two that works, that serves, that fulfills sexually? And that becomes what we call a sexual template. And it's been amazing watching wow. couples thrive yeah. together yeah. through that simple mini course I designed. It was something that we were coached through and it's just been a blessing. So yes, we're grateful that we've been able to have those tough conversations early so we can impart that onto our daughter. She's a year and a half and we just know she's she's blessed. We're, we don't take all the credit for that, man. God is good. We're going to go all over the place, but you, you've said so many things I want to talk about because I want to talk about, yeah. I want to talk about erectile dysfunction and as well as like the female counterpart, like many, many women really struggle to orgasm and we can talk about that. I'm sure you you are versed in that conversation, but let's talk about growing up in the church, the purity culture. And if you guys don't know what purity culture, it's that like, you know, promise you're not going to have sex until you're married. And but we're not going to talk about sex. We're just going to tell you not to yeah. do it. And then like this whole thing for over the years and years and years of sex is bad. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to turn that into sex is good. Is, is this mm -hmm. something you guys have worked with or have talked about? hundred percent. My wife and I both grew up with very strict Catholic mothers, but didn't quote unquote grow up in the church. But the, in the church part for us was kind of a forcing of being there and, very much like purity culture, never really going deeper as to why, never explaining things. It's more of just a strict rigidity that anyone outside the church understands as rules and the church is strict and just they're, they're robbing our freedom. That's usually the, the narrative we hear And the purity culture has done a really, really good job at harming people yeah. at a really young age with creating a impossible barrier between God's design for sex and sexual struggles because our struggles need to be like we're talking about brought to safe places to talk about. And when there's a purity culture, it creates this layer of shame that if you even share that you have a struggle, you're dirty, you're evil, you're messed up, which is not the case at all. And one of the challenges with purity culture is it really talks about behavior modification and lust management, which don't work. You can't just replace a behavior and think that's going to work. Like reading your Bible, praying, going to church, those are all nice things, but they're, they're not the answer to quitting porn, healing erectile dysfunction and all these other things. So purity culture has done a lot of harm. And I think the overarching thing that it has done is it actually has made men think that they're lustful beasts that are untamable. And all these women have basically become, you know, gatekeepers for men so that they don't lust. And it's really hard to have a successful relationship when that is your dynamic. Yeah, that's, man. I mean, you just, there's so much, so much there, like the, the, the guilt, the guilt, the guilt, and the fact that nobody's willing to talk about it. I was very, very fortunate. My dad you know, was open mm. with me. He took me, I think it was 12, took me on a trip and we talked about it. We did the James Dobson thing. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but there was this whole like, like, no. let's talk about sex and, and talk through all the terms. So none of it was like, I, you know, it was like, yeah. it's all, it's all on the table. Let's talk about it. Let's demystify yeah. it. But that was only like the start. Right. I mean, and then you, you go through this, you go off to college or whatever it is and girls become very interesting and there's a lot of temptation. Oh, is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. So mm -hmm. where did your, you talk about, um, your own addiction. So let's, let's segue into your story. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. Absolutely. Thanks Scott. So for me, 
yeah growing up i had a really great family like my dad always joked around he was like he was the dad that everyone wanted to be their dad he was there he was driving kids to the you know field trips he would come see us on his lunch breaks but unfortunately he was more of a buddy when i needed him most when i got into the ages of seeing pornography and needing these kind of conversations to happen. My mom was a stay-at-home mom for many years. She was so loving and supportive. But when I saw pornography, that's when she fell away from the church. She started drinking and smoking and she was actually not home a lot. And I had this gaping hole in my heart. My dad was around a lot. My mom was around a lot. I see porn and they're gone. And Sean, this little boy had this deep longing to be seen, to be known. And I had this thing called pornography come into my life and I felt shame and guilt and embarrassed and then no one to talk to. So there was this really weird void in my life at that time that I, I you know, a 10 year old boy can't reason with. So that's really where my story begins is this longing to be seen. And that was really amplified with two stories. One of them was I froze the computer at maybe 12 years old or so with porn and I didn't know what to do, got my mom to fix the computer and she saw what was on there and she never talked to me about it. She abdicated her authority, her influence as a parent and it hurt me so bad. I was just longing for her to see that I was in trouble. And then my dad, I saw him watching pornography. He confided in me about leaving my mom to have a better wife and a better life, all these things, you know, a young boy's not meant to hear those things. So again, it's like, but what about me, dad? And he's just, you know, dealing with his own stuff, seeing him watch pornography, so confusing at nighttime in the dark by himself. Like, what does that mean? So young boys are just, you know, creating these stories, these narratives that don't actually align with facts or truth. It's just what we see and what we feel. And all of that just plays into our, our needs going unmet. And that's why porn is so appealing because you can find any video, any genre at any time on any website that's going to tell a story that makes you feel a little bit better about yourself for those moments that you need to feel better. So that's where my story began. I always tell guys I got addicted around 13 years old and that's when a boy's supposed to be outside playing with his friends and doing sports and stuff. But I, I distinctly remember canceling stuff so that I could download pornography, go home and watch pornography. I would plan my whole morning and night routine based around when my parents would be downstairs and I could have the, the computer area to myself. And like, that's not a routine a young boy's supposed to have. And what is that doing? That's just framing and programming my mind to be pornified. And there's so much I could go into with the neurobiology and all that stuff. If you wanna know more, definitely check out our podcast. And there, there's a free resource I have on our website on understanding some of those intricacies but being addicted at that young age is wild. And that led to me being really actually shy around women. A lot of people think porn is going to teach them what women want and how to treat women and how to be around. But what it actually does, is it makes you feel like a pervert, makes you feel ashamed of yourself. It makes you feel like you can't even communicate with somebody because all you're thinking about is sex and it crippled me. So what I did is I would, you know, start going to parties, getting drunk and finding ways where, you know, some of those stories in porn might actually happen and, and be lived out and never really happened. So I just continually felt more and more shame about myself, more and more embarrassed about myself. I was a very closed off person. And that really led to me getting into toxic relationships that were solely focused on sex. And that was through online dating, 
There was some like older women in there and that just continued to develop even what was arousing to me. So the idea of being pursued by somebody like they see me in online dating, that means they find me attractive. Just like I longed for my parents to see me, it actually got hijacked and became sexualized. And I would long for women to see me. I would be at the gym. I would be at the store. I'd be anywhere. And my whole story in my head is, does she see me? Does she want me? Does she like me? And when that stuff happens and nothing in the moment happens, you take that home and you have all of this passion, all these arousing emotions bursting inside. Of course, you're going to go watch pornography. So for me, I was watching porn like two, three times a day. It was very normal masturbation, always went with pornography. And that was really what I was doing up until I met my wife. I met her when she was 19. I was 23. And I didn't really know what God was doing, but he definitely seemed like he was connecting us uh, for, for a bigger purpose. And long story short, I told her two months into dating that I was going to a recovery group for pornography, which basically meant uh, I'm not doing anything, but I want you to think I'm right. doing something. And she thought like, hey, you know, I know a lot of people watch porn. She had her own struggle with porn. So for her, it was kind of like, oh, you know, this guy's great. He's getting help for something that most guys don't do. And I was totally lying. So when we got married, I was carrying that right into the wedding. I was watching pornography the day before our wedding while my wife was trying on her wedding dress. So I, I was hopelessly addicted. I had no concept of what it looked like to be sober to be free i had no resources i had no one i knew who was talking about there being any hope but i was so silent so shamed so closed in like a turtle so when we got married i had relapsed for the first time two months into marriage and that's a that's a story probably for another time uh, i think it's episode four on our podcast is my full story but that was like the breaking of sean that was the rock bottom i had never experienced i have this beautiful wife that i get to in, enjoy and share sex with now and i go to the bathroom with my phone and choose to masturbate. And it was just really mm -hmm. devastating. So that led to about eight, nine months of really a lot of lying and crying and just tension in our early marriage. And it was actually on August 20th, 2017. So on my birthday, when I turned 25, that I quit porn. There was this rock bottom moment. Helena casted this vision of what life would look like if I never quit. What would it look like to have a daughter, a son, a family, if you never quit this stuff, Sean? And I had never thought of that before. So very fitting that we're talking on this podcast, the brotherhood of fatherhood. It's amazing. That really hit me. And I just look back, it'll be five years free from porn on August 20th. And I look back and I'm five years married, have an 18 month old daughter, have a podcast. I'm coaching men in their own recovery. Uh, we, we have this legacy multiplier and our vision for secret habit is to impact a hundred thousand relationships. And I just see like, that shouldn't happen with a guy like me who has a story like mine. But God has decided to use me and my calling right off the get go was to use my story to offer hope. So people know that a, they're not alone, B that other guys have been there too. And they also have gotten out of it. And now what I see so many guys that I coach to get out of the problem, they actually become volunteers of secret habit, or they go and serve and start an actually, you know, quality group at their church. And it's just this multiplication effect. So if you're listening to this and you're struggling, I really pray that you can sense that you are not alone, that you're not some weirdo, that there is help and that there is hope on the other side that is not just sobriety and white knuckling, but it's freedom. And that comes from feeling confident that you know why 
you got to where you're at, which I'm talking about, I wanted to be seen, you know, what to do, and you develop a lifestyle that is healthy and fruitful. And it's so freeing, man. So that's a bit of my story. I don't want to take the whole time, but really just love to get into some of those details. So guys know that it's not just I was some horny young guy. I was I was longing to be seen. Working with other men, I think it's really important to identify like what you see as patterns because you were looking for something, right? You were looking for, you were filling a need. And I know that there's men listening are like, there's nothing wrong with porn. And the first thing I tell them is like, look, go back to my interview with alan i can't remember his last name how darn um anyway and it was uh men fight for me and it's all about human trafficking and sex trafficking and um Mm, he's like basically if you're watching porn i want you to think of this you're watching and supporting rape he said it almost there's like literally no examples where it's not because at some point the woman was manipulated and sometimes the guys manipulated into this position to do this with coercion and then in a place of bondage, you know, emotionally, physically, um, uh, financially, where they couldn't get out and they make it look like they want it and enjoy doing it. And, and it's, but it's never, ever, ever is. And so that was like the one thing I can hang my hat on with anybody. Like they might be like, Mm. okay, you're on your moral high horse here and you're, you know, your Christian values and your purity culture, which we already talked about, but you know, so I always take it there. What are some of the other reasons for someone who is not like, does not have the same belief system and doesn't feel like there's anything morally wrong. Let's go outside of the trafficking and, you know, slavery type of scenario and talk about the, some, some of the other things. 100%. Yeah, it it's a great point. And there's always the counter of the quote unquote ethical pornography and, you know, whatever else. There's even Christians who believe in ethical pornography. So it's a great argument that I always like to push back on. There's a book right behind me called Your Brain on Porn, who was written by one of the heaviest atheists you'll ever find. He died, I think, a year ago, but his name is Gary Wilson your brain on porn. The whole book is about the neurobiology of the brain that gets affected by watching porn, by masturbating. And and, and this is what we're getting out. Your brain is your computer system. It's everything to your body. And the challenge with pornography is it literally rewires your brain to pornography. So the way you function, the way you regulate, all of that becomes lesser than what it could be. We look at like oxytocin is a chemical that gets released when mothers are breastfeeding. God created it so there could be this beautiful bond, but it actually gets released when we watch porn and we begin to get bonded to a screen and to the stories and to the acts that we're seeing. So basically what I like to talk to guys about with the neurobiology is that you're, you're living life in a, in a lower potential than you could. It's affecting the way you relate with people, the way you have dynamics in your family. I also really have a sadness in my heart when there's guys who are watching porn, think there's nothing wrong with it, but they have a wife. And every time they watch porn, they're literally choosing their wife, choosing porn over their wife. And I don't know any women that are actually okay with that. There's a lot of really gracious women that will say, hey, you know, I, you know, it is what it is. But there's so much research to show what that actually does to a woman. It actually is almost like PTSD like symptoms. But the neurobiology is really a hard thing to argue because there's so much research being done. 
it actually affects the brain very similar to cocaine or heroin, where it deteriorates the gray matter. The part of your brain that makes good decisions is actually, you know, atrophied and you, you actually get a longer hit from pornography than from cocaine and or a, like longer in duration. So that's why it's so addicting. So lots more to get into with dopamine, your dopamine sensors basically get shot. So like a normal, enjoyable thing isn't enjoyable anymore. So you need a higher dose. The, the pornography you, you normally would watch, you need to go to higher levels of watching porn to get the same dopamine. There's so much that goes into play. And there's also porn-induced erectile dysfunction. And that's why a lot of guys, they say they watch porn with their wife because they enjoy having sex while watching porn. But deep down, the reality is that they actually can't get an erection unless they watch porn because their dopamine sensors are so shot that they rely on porn and they make this case to their wife that if they don't watch it, then they're not going to have sex. I'm like, that is actually manipulation that's not about sex it's not about intimacy it's not about marriage that's about you actually failing yeah, as a man you, you hit the nail on the head failing as a man it's how i see it i i have had the argument that hey my wife enjoys it just as much as me we do it together and we've done it together forever we have an amazing marriage and i just go back to the the, the foundations that i know one like who, who's doing it and is it ethical like is this ethical and how do you even know and two the neuro the, the neurochemistry, all the things that go on in the brain and knowing really how destructive it is, like you said, I mean, like, Hey, do you, do you do cocaine together? Like, like, do you, have you, do you, do you understand the, the, yeah. the impact this is having on your life? And then is your partner, wife, spouse, whatever, really being a hundred percent honest with you, really, really being a hundred percent honest with you. Yeah. I want to go back. Cause those are, man, those are spot on. And I've, I've heard all of those. And I love the fact that the movement for the case against pornography is pretty heavily pushed right now by non the non-Christian world. It's 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 people studying the yeah. brain and and, you know, the the impact, you know, it's the same as with uh, social media and the dopamine and all these things that occur when we practice in this. And like what I say to men is like. I think you're being kind of being a wimp. I think you're, you're a total, I mean, no, no offense to you, but like, Hey, it's easy. I'm going to take the easy route instead of like that pursuit. I think guys got to pursue yeah. their wives. Like when they were dating, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, some of us. Yeah, totally. Scott, it, it brings excitement and it really holds us to a different level of, um, a, a, as a husband, can we perform, in a way that is going to allure our wives? Are we going to provide for, in a way that's going to bring our wives into us and be sexually interested? Are we going to be the protectors? Mm -hmm. is, the, is the masculinity, the part of masculinity, is that being leveraged? Because we know that no matter what, no matter what, there is proof that women are attracted to guys that seem like they're going to be able to win, whether that's physically or financially, that's why the bad guy syndrome, you know, he's, he's the yeah. bad guy or the, you know, the, I don't even remember the term, but anyway, um, you know, you, yeah, maybe, maybe and, the alpha male, just something to it, but it's just, it's a wimpy, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, it just seems really, but I, it, yeah. but that's not to be judgmental because it's, it's incredibly, sure. incredibly, um, addictive. So I want, I want to go to the, Go ahead. Yeah. And, and I'll just, I'll just really quick. So I'll just say one of the things I always love to mention is these conversations, especially like when I have them with people, they're that safety with discomfort. I don't, 
I, I don't expect to win every argument. I don't even consider them arguments. But like when someone comes to me with something, it it's a safe place because I want to talk about it. But there's going to be discomfort because I, I don't agree with you. But I, if you're listening to this and you disagree, totally. that's okay, man. Like we we can talk. That's that's what the world has lost in this day and age is the ability to have disagreements but yeah. still love each yeah, other. I, I use a statement quite frequently is like um, offense is taken, but it's never given. Like how you receive yeah. the message is totally on you. And I was having this um, yeah. text thing with, with a, a service provider. And it wasn't going well. And I'm like, dude, I'm done with this conversation. I'm not going to text. I'm not going to do this because when you get face to face or voice to voice, everything changes. And I love those conversations. I would challenge people to have hmm. those conversations. Like, so anyway, that's a whole nother thing. So you're addicted to, yeah, to yeah. porn and you told your wife you were going to get help, but you really didn't. What was that moment like where you said, Hey, I have a problem. Did she find out or did you come to her and share? Yeah. So the story in a nutshell is basically when I, it was probably like two in the morning, I had gone and masturbated in the bathroom. I came back to the bed and I have this called the thorn in the flesh, or is it a blessing? It's a internal profit. Um, when something's off in my life, my body responds to it. So if I'm like anxious or tired or overwhelmed, I'll get a really crazy eye twitch. If I'm being dishonest about something or something is just off in my life, my body will get like tingly and almost go numb. And I'll, no joke, I remember walking back to the bedroom and it felt like my body was on fire, like like I was burning in hell. And I don't think that's like God's <laughs> wrath against me. It was like my body was reacting, saying, Sean, there's something off and you need to deal with it. And I, was, I didn't sleep the rest of the night. I was trembling and I woke up teary-eyed, terrified. And I knew I had to tell Helena. I couldn't go another day without telling her the truth. So that morning I told her and I... I woke up last night and watched porn and, and masturbated and I'm hopelessly addicted. And I never told you that. And it was so hard. It was so scary, but I knew that I wouldn't be able to live another day without telling her very much. Like when I quit porn, I knew I wouldn't be able to live another year of my life the same way. So I've had that a lot in my life. And I think God's given me that it's a thorn in the flesh as a blessing that when something's not right, I experience the fact that it's not yeah, right. So you, you just went to her. How, what was her reaction? Was it, did you have to go through that period of her being disappointed mm. and, and being that emotional oh, yeah. it was, thing that happens? <laughs> yeah, it was to totally devastating. She was absolutely devastated. So there's, there's a term that's betrayal trauma when a spouse, typically it's a spouse because they've committed to you. And basically Helena committed to me not knowing the whole story of who I was. So two months into marriage, you can imagine the devastation, the grief, the loss, the fear. And betrayal trauma is basically that. And it's kind of this idea of PTSD-like symptoms. You know, I rocked her world almost as if she was like in an earthquake. And, and after that, every time I quote unquote re-rocked her world by lying to her or telling her I watched porn again, it was almost as if she was back in that earthquake moment. And that's why it's so life shattering for women that have husbands that watch porn is because every time they find out about it, A, they're realizing their husband's a liar, B, their husband's choosing a screen over his wife, and C, he's 
going against what he said he would do once again. And that's not shaming because most men don't know actually how to heal, but that's the reality of what's going on with our wives is they are devastated. Yeah. And it's so it, sad. It is. And I'm sure there's, you, you talked about kind of that um, PTSD type effect of that. You had mentioned, uh, and it's not really your story to tell, but I will ask, you'd mentioned that your wife had struggled with porn as well. And I think that's such an incredible story because I'm, it's becoming more and more common. It, and it, and we were, we're seeing statistics yeah. rise and rise and rise with women, girls being exposed to porn and then having an addiction, which I understand the neurochemical things are going on that are going on the same, but there might be other maybe other reasons or attractors or whatever. I don't know these, but, um, is that, is that something she, hmm. does she work with other women? Like, let's talk just a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think Helena's episode of her story is episode three of the secret Habit podcast. She has been, she had historically been working with women that were addicted to pornography and also going through betrayal trauma. Um, since being on maternity leave, she hasn't been doing any hands-on work, but the reality is, is our brains are very similar. There's many differences between male and female, men and women, but in terms of pornography, it kind of fills the same voids and plays into the same trauma stories that most of us have. I think women have a really uh, incredible challenge that is even greater than men because most people know that men struggle with porn. It's silent, but we kind of know. With women, there's almost this like, what? Like, like, like the stats are raising, like going up to like, I think between 30 and 40% of women watch porn regularly. And it's like, that's a big number for us to think like it's 1%. So I think women are even more silenced because it seems so out there that a woman would be addicted to porn. But it's it's so luring, just like it was for me to want to be seen. Every little girl wants to be seen and noticed as well. They have the same longings because they're God-given. They start so beautiful, but when they go unmet, unmet needs are like an achy body part. What do we do? We grab an Advil. The problem with an unmet need is when you grab an Advil, it's not, a, it's not an Advil. It's porn. It's food. It's Netflix. It's a phone. And when we grab Advils of the world, they never satisfy and they actually bring us yeah. way further than we planned That's on good. going. Uh, just, it, it's just shocking to me because for so many years, you know, I've been kind of this program that it's a guy problem. And I, I think there's two things mm. that we, we need to take away for sure is one, don't assume anything and understand that there is a, typically an addiction to porn is is a symptom it, there's something else going on and you talked about you know your parents kind of not paying attention and and feeling the need i want to um so did was that before you guys were married because you, you know you, you're kind of walking through this timeline and i'm trying to trying to push it together and i know it's in episode three so is it before you were married sure. that you struggled with that yeah. So when we were dating, I think like the kind of the month we met, she had quit porn. Maybe I think she said she watched it once or twice while we were dating. But part of our story, which is crazy, is she lied to me about masturbation yep. for a whole year in our marriage. So she actually continued to masturbate. And part of it was mm -hmm. to take revenge on me because if I'm watching porn, then she's going to go and do that. And that's often a mm -hmm. dynamic in a lot of relationships as well but they would never call it that, right? 
to call to say that you're taking revenge on your spouse sounds a little too heavy. Yeah. And the, the other part that I want to talk about is, and I think men need to do a better job of understanding a woman, a woman's body and the, the fact that she does orgasm different. I mean, you know, uh, my understanding mm-hmm. is multiple orgasm is a real thing. And, it, you know, it, and especially for, for women. And um, we read a book called Between the Sheets. I don't know if you've read that, but we, we read that book. And I was like, like mm-hmm. there's so many things that came out in my head. But also for her, where it was like we were able to piece together a bunch of these missing pieces and mm. the the healing and the the emotional intimacy growth through those experiences. That's why like I advocate massively for couples or for individuals to work with people like you because the healing and the amount of um, increase in emotional intimacy that happens when you figure some of these things out is incredible. So you talked about ED, which primarily um, a result of, you know, porn addiction. Um, Is this something you guys, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So it's fascinating with ED. There's porn-induced erectile dysfunction, which is very much the chemical imbalances of your brain. You need dopamine to get an erection. If your dopamine sensors are shot, it's very hard to get an erection or have a consistent one. But then for me, I actually struggled with the psychological erectile dysfunction even two years after quitting porn. And for me, it was just all these lies that I believed about my my body, my penis, what my wife needed and wanted from me. And if I didn't perform, she would think I'm a failure. And it's all of these lies, these narratives, these expectations that rob us from true joy. There's this really great quote that says, where secrets are present, intimacy is absent. And I wasn't being fully vulnerable with Helena, telling her how I was feeling, what I was thinking. And I was keeping secrets from her, not to say they were like detrimental, like, oh, I'm watching porn. But it was like, I wasn't telling her what's going on inside of me. And those secrets led to a lack of intimacy. And she had expectations on me. So that's Mm -hmm. where that sexual template idea comes from absolutely revolutionized the way we have a marriage and you know have sex in in thriving abundant way so erectile dysfunction is challenging because there's the two parts to it and if we're talking about the mind and your thoughts and your narrative there is no pill that can help with that yeah i remember talking to a doctor and because i was worried and i'm you know i'm a a bit older (laughs) and I, i was getting worried and he's like well like look you really got to examine the psychological part of this first. He's like, and it was like, Mm. Oh wow. Yeah. And there is so much, I remember going through a period where there was so much pressure, um, to perform like this performance anxiety. I started getting performance anxiety. Mm. Like, I mean, like, okay, was that good for her? Oh my gosh. And then if I ever asked, then it was this whole thing, like, what was this not good you know and then you're like you have these unmet expectations or these unspoken things going on and that's where i really 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 push couples to just like have real conversations be Mm -hmm. open and vulnerable and understand that we're not attacking each other we're trying to come to a place where we understand each other better yeah and um I think it's important to talk about because guys do not reach out to other guys and ask hey like have you had this problem they're not gonna do that and then the other 
The Dude, other side is I was lucky enough to have sure. a doctor that says, hey, let's not jump to medication because that's typically the answer is like, okay, hey, I got an mm-hmm. easy fix for you. Boom. Where so many times that can be avoided yeah. and you can live a very fulfilling life without that. Um, you know, yeah. So is this something that you Definitely. deal with a lot with the men you work with? Yeah, my primary focus has always been the story behind pornography addiction, but so many guys that I work with have the porn-induced erectile dysfunction, and then as that heals, they then have to deal with the psychological portion of it. So I've had clients that are just coming to me for erectile dysfunction, and it's been really amazing to see the results. Um, I have one client right now that has just been amazing in three months what's happened I had a client graduate back in March who, who was early 70s and he hadn't had sex with his wife for over 10 years without pills and amazing just to see the results. So there's just cool stories like that, that I'm just so thrilled to be a part of. But the sexual template course is that idea of having these conversations, like talking about goals and purpose, talking about what's in the way, talking about what is actually true and factual, talking about what do you like? What do you want? What do you need? Opening up these spaces for conversations that don't often happen, removing shame and guilt and making a space where it's you two talking without justification or defensiveness, because the stat there's stats that show one in three men under 40 struggle with erectile dysfunctions. This episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast is brought to you by Direct Hemp. Direct Hemp are the CBD experts who stand behind all of their products, their providers, and all of the great science behind new innovations in the space. So I've been using some of their products, uh, specifically Charlotte's Web Sleep Gummies. This is a hemp extract infused gummy with melatonin. And I'll tell you what, my wife and I have both experienced amazing results from using these sleep gummies. We're sleeping better, we're waking up more refreshed, we're falling asleep faster, we're getting more REM sleep. I really pay attention to my sleep analytics. I have several apps and devices that actually record how well my sleep is, and these things make a massive difference. And why do I care? Because sleep improves, good sleep improves judgment, recovery, it reduces stress, it reduces inflammation, it improves memory and aids in weight loss, among other things. And these are all scientifically backed facts. So you need to be getting better sleep. And the best place to get your sleep products is through Direct Hemp. So check out the show notes. There will be a link to get 15% off. Use the coupon code BROTHERHOOD and you'll be on your way to better sleep with great tasting, very effective gummies, as well as hundreds of other brands and companies or uh, products that you will enjoy. So I don't know if that's like every stat shows that, but there are definitely one research statistic I saw and like, yeah, that's pretty scary to think, but it also makes us realize again, we're not alone and we all have work stress and life stress and kids stress and money stress and all of that stuff. So it's so important to realize that yeah. we bring that stuff to the bedroom as well. And yeah. we need a I safe place a to talk about it with a guy that reached out to me because of the brotherhood. And he's like, after a bit of a conversation, he's like, I'm, I might, I might be lucky if I, my wife has sex with me once every four or five months. And he's like, but she thinks it's dirty and there's no, I, there's no fix wow. for it. He's like, I can't talk about it. There's no fix for it. This is my life. And I've been really saddened mm. by that for so long. And I, and it, it's this framework thing wow. you're talking about where things could really be healed because obviously there's some trauma or some of that, you know, purity culture stuff going on. And I think about being that yeah. man and, and 
the struggle and the insecurity. Like how can to be as a man, there's just this, this thing that happens when you are sexually active with your life, your wife, you can conquer more, you can go into more things. Uh, you can walk, you can walk out in, in public and feel like, you know, you don't, no one knows why, but you just have this extra level of confidence. And yeah. I think it's so real. Mm -hmm. um, let, you yep. know, we're, we're getting a little low on time. So I, it would be remiss of me not to talk about um, chatting with your kids about this. Now, you have a very young daughter, a year and a half, you said mm -hmm. minor, you know, 18 and 14. So I've actually had time and experience yeah. talking with my kids about this. One of the things that we're, we talk about a lot is actually pornography. And I do that on purpose because I don't want it to ever be an uncomfortable thing. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the trauma or the hurt of your mom night, not calling you out or not calling you to the table or holding you like mm -hmm. saying anything when she caught you with porn. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about that because I want dads to hear like what, from your perspective, what do yeah. they do? Totally. Ah, such a good question. I always come at the perspective of what did little Sean need? Because I haven't had that experience with my own child yet, but looking back at what little Sean needed, he needed a space to be seen for what was going on for mom and dad to say that this is pornography you're you're going to run into it because of the world around us but that doesn't mean that you're a bad person that you've done anything wrong the fact that you've seen it opens up space for us to talk about it and i really wish my parents gave me that invitation that anytime you see something that is falls into the category of naked people something that makes you uncomfortable, makes this happen with your body, you can come to us and talk. It's an invitation. It's not rigid as a mandatory thing. It's not shameful as, you know, that's so bad. We need to make sure we punish you. It's an invitation to say, this is a normal part of life that we want to figure out with you. And I think that would have just opened up a whole world of love for, for Sean to be seen. Cause that's really what I wanted my mom to do there. I'm thinking about you know, my daughter, Violet, we're very specific in how we talk to her about her body. We, we tell her that God has given her a body that is good. We tell her that she has a vagina. She has nipples. She has, she will have breasts one day. We make it very normal. We talk about daddy's penis and we actually explain to her the creation, the purpose of the penis and how beautiful it is. We talk about mommy's body and we are already explaining to her about the body. She'll see me walking around the house naked, penis. She'll actually like, she's 18 months and she knows. And it's so beautiful. And I think as a man who is free from porn, I can have those conversations with my daughter. I can sit in the bathtub and bathe her and touch her body and even have her touch my body because she's a curious little kid who's 18 months and doesn't know what she's doing and feel such a love, feel such a peace. There's no shame or worry or perversion. There's no sexual part of it. It's just beautiful. That's what it's supposed to be. So when I think about being a dad, talking to Violet about things like pornography, it's mm. not if you see it, it's when you see it. This space is open for us to talk about it. Anytime this happens, you feel a certain way, I want you to know that you can come to me and this is a safe space for us to talk about how you felt about it, what, what is going on inside of you, what, is, what does it actually mean? And I think the best thing we can do as parents, especially as fathers, mm -hmm. is to share our stories.
is to make sure our kids know that we're not just teaching them something that we don't understand. If we've gone through a struggle or something, it's so important to lead by example. And that's why there's the famous like dad smoking and telling his kids not to smoke. Like they kids don't do what they see. They do what they hear or sorry. They don't, they don't do what they hear. They do what they see. It's like, it doesn't matter how many times you tell your kids to not smoke or not do this. If they see you living out the opposite, they're going to go ahead and do that because what they see modeled doesn't align with words. So for me, I'm a huge advocate of those partnering together, what we say and what we do. And if we don't follow through, we must repair with our kids. There is such a beautiful opportunity to tell our kids, I am yeah, so absolutely. sorry. Absolutely, I'm a firm believer in allowing our kids to learn from our mistakes, speaking through those, talking through those, because, hey, like we may be relieving them of having to go through the same thing. Like keeping it to yourself is, a, it's super selfish. It's actually harmful. And then the other thing is, is mm. I, I believe mm. talking early and often about, you, you know, what's, what's okay, what's not okay, what that sex is not a bad thing. And, you know, my kids, my boys get crazy weird when I do it, but, yeah. but I don't care because I know like I need them to see and understand that their mother and I have sex all the time. And that's a good thing. And then I'll also, I talked yeah. to him about the, yeah. we talk actually as a family frequently, the absolute, I'm like, when we're at church today, when you look around, you know, I don't know the numbers, but I, a majority of those people are watching porn and they're like, what? I'm like, so understand that it's, hmm. it's, it's yeah. very addictive. Most people are doing it. And so don't ever feel ashamed to come to us and say, I'm struggling. And I think that's the thing is like, we won't love what you're, we won't necessarily mm. love what you're doing, but we're never going to not love you and support you and walk you through whatever you're going through. And that goes for, you know, drinking, mm. partying, you know, what it's yes. premarital sex, whatever it is. Like we may not love the act, but we love you unconditionally. And that's what matters. So having those continual conversations. Yes. So you start ah, so half, of course, that's just going to keep going and it's going to be norm. That's the thing. Like people, guys call me all the time or, or message me. And yes. how do you talk to your kids about porn? I'm like, it's just normal. It's just, I, I bring it up all the time. Like it's everywhere, mm-hmm. boys. I know you've been exposed. Yeah. Here's the deal. And we just talk about it. And so then it's not weird. Yeah. It, it, they can come and say, yeah. Ugh. like, you know, my friend opened like, ah, like, like, how do I handle this? That's a really great conversation to be able to have with your kid. Because when I was in junior yeah. high, I went to a friend's house and it was like porn central. I mean, it was no parents were around and there were stacks of his dad's hmm. VHS tapes, you know? And, and I didn't talk to yeah. my dad. I didn't know what to say. It's like, yeah. and then, you know, so I think those conversations totally. early, often frequent with, with nothing but love and respect for each other. And that non-judgmental, I will not love the act, but I will love you unconditionally help you through anything. So it sounds like what you're doing already. Yeah. 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 So good. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, it's so good. And the reality is, is it's, uh, I think C.S. Lewis said it, that bad is just spoiled good. So I think if there's any preconceived notions about our kids watching porn and being this horrible thing, the the ultimate thing to focus on is like, what can we, what can we impart into them about the beauty of sex and how porn is actually just tinsel compared to how great sex is. So we actually cast our focus on what is amazing and good and beautiful 
rather than focusing on what is bad because that's not what kids want to know. They want to, they want something yeah. to shoot for. So yeah, give absolutely. them something to I shoot that, for. That analogy or that visual of, you know, it, it, it's good, like shoot for the good. And I think we do that naturally in our family, but you know, um, it's just, it needs to be talked about. It needs to be shared because men just don't know. Fathers just don't know. I, one is like, I'm extremely controlling. This was just yeah. a few weeks ago. I want to install apps on their phones. I want to do this. They don't go to the rooms. And I'm like, you know, actually I get that. And I don't mm. understand the technology stuff. And I'm sure I failed a little bit in that, but really the most important thing is that there's a relationship of open conversation so that when things do happen, you can have that conversation. Oh, that makes complete sense. So I'm like, yeah, go ahead and do the apps, yeah. but you got to have the conversation around it first, because no matter what yeah. you do, they're going to find a way or someone's going to show up. Yeah. Like it's not, if it's when, and you said that, and it's so absolutely, true. I think that's what we have to hold on to. It's not, yep. we're not going to keep them from it. Absolutely not. I just want it to happen in my home when they're that's under it. my wings so I can walk them through it and train them and, and, and support them. So, yeah, it's good, man. It's really yeah, absolutely. good. We need um, more dads so, doing hey, that good I think, work. Ab I, I definitely want to promote you because what you're doing is phenomenal. I'm not going to be shy about it. I've been singing this from the hilltop since the very beginning. If guys, if you're struggling in an area, you need a coach. Hmm. There, I, I, I have coaches for things. You just have to have a coach. I'm not ashamed to say that. Even if you can't afford it, you can't not afford it. Um, the value that getting things like this right mm -hmm. in your life and understanding, you know, the, the source or the reason you're addicted to something and the impact it has on your family is going to pay you back 100 fold, whatever you're paying. So I would say absolutely hmm. reach out to Sean. Absolutely. Go check out their podcast, Secret Habit. Um, I love the work you guys are doing. And thanks so much, Scott. Yeah, ditto everything you said. I just got done hiring a coach for 10 weeks to work through grief and loss with certain people in my past and my life, which I'm a coach. So it's important that we're always moving towards healing. And even just that, you know, financial thing. A lot of guys think coaches are expensive. I'm launching a new program in September that is going to be super affordable, which I'm so pumped about. So I'm moving from one-on-one -on -one into more community-based group coaching, which is where healing happens rapidly because the opposite of addiction is not sobriety it's connection so love what you're saying man it's on my heart a lot these days and always looking for new opportunities to make sure men know that there is good right, resources right. and so, it doesn't have to um, cost you, you on an arm and a leg obviously on instagram um i think it's secret habit is the is the instagram okay all right it's it's at secret habit life coaching yep and we yeah we post Very a funny. weekly reel on there i post stuff yeah. going on on our stories <laughs> the wheel the reels are fun man my wife and i are doing them together so if you want a yeah, good laugh yeah. follow us for some Sean, reels and they're educational as well your work and i think more people need to hear it thank you so much thanks scott it's a privilege man great to be on here and really be able to impart some of my failures to right. your hey guys, community so they can have and success. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something. If you absolutely disagree with what I say, subscribe to the podcast and listen to more things you disagree with. If you agree with it, subscribe to the podcast and listen to things you agree with. We can't live in an echo chamber. So subscribe, um, follow, do all the things. Leave a review. By all means, leave a review. That's the way we can help more men 
really step into their purpose as fathers and husbands. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.